Hi friends, you're listening to Autism and Us with me, Maisie. When my son was diagnosed with autism at the age of four, I didn't know anything about autism. Oh wait, I'd seen Rain Man in the 80s. At the beginning, I felt devastated, isolated and afraid. Diagnosis day, the darkest of my life. It wasn't the masses of written information I was given that helped me. It was sharing stories with other Spectrum parents I met along the way, giving me tips and advice, and most importantly, made me feel like I'm not alone. I am no expert and don't claim to be. I'm a parent at the start of my journey. Each episode, I will be talking to a parent or a close family member of someone with autism, and they will share their story from the early years to diagnosis to present day. Welcome to Autism and Us. Today, I'm speaking to Jordan. Jordan is the managing director of one of the most successful PR companies in the country, LMPR whose clients include Dermot O'Leary, Jasmine Hermsley, Rochelle Humes, Laura Jackson, just to name a few. So obviously, as you can tell, I was really excited to speak to Jordan. Jordan talks to me about her son, Jackson, who has a diagnosis of autism. This episode was recorded before lockdown. So I went to Jordan's house and it was lovely. And you might hear Jordan's lovely cat, and her delicious little baby Jude making a little appearance too. Hello Jordan. Hi. (laughs) Thank you for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Now I'd really like to know about you and your childhood, so where Mm -hmm. you were born, where you grew up, Um, and I know you went to the London College of Fashion, which is really cool. (laughs) Uh, So I'd like to know kind of from sort of when you were born and how how you came to study there. Sure. so I was born in South Norwood, um, south of the river, um, <laughs> and um, both my mum and dad kind of, they had sort of like two different career lives, it's quite weird. So my mum used to work at um, BFI, um, she's written books for Cinema of Women, she was like a real feminist, and my dad was a musician and then also an architect in his day job. Um, and so I've always sort of been around like creatives and so I think that very much informed sort of the kind of route I'd want to take. So mm. before kind of going to London College of Fashion I was at the Brit School. Oh kind right, of doing you're at the Brit School? Yeah. Okay, come on, dish the dirt. <laughs> Who is in your year? Um, I, well segued in between that I actually then went on to have my first child so I kind of went back a couple of years so I was like the oldest youngest person in them because you had your first child when you were 17 wow okay yeah um but when I was at the Brits you know there was the likes of Adele and kind of you know we'd smoke fags in the um playground people go oh and Adele's performing are you gonna go I was like no I can't go I've got to go home (laughs) gotta go home back to the baby now I'm thinking god I should have made some efforts to go to some of those gigs those very early kind of intimate Adele gigs but we we didn't know you know that she was going to be such a big deal oh god um yeah so kind of do you like the Brit school I did I loved it and I think the reason why it was so important for me was having a child so young I lost any sense of being a child and myself and any sense of kind of youth and fun Mm. it was all just really serious um and hard parenting and hard and also I had my first she was premature so I had her at 27 weeks and therefore she was in intensive care for the first three months of her life we spent 
certainly the most first five years of her life in and out of hospital and having really serious operations to her heart, to her stomach, to her throat. God, that's you so know, hard. Really yeah. serious stuff. And so, so you're, you know, 18, yeah, 17, 18, yeah. you know, that's a lot to... It's a lot to carry. And so I felt like I'd really lost any sense of youthfulness and... Being at the Brits, it's like being at the Fame Academy and it's all about being really young and being really silly and being really colourful. And so I would kind of go to college and become a different person. And those few hours a day was actually escapism for me because it was an opportunity just to be a kid. Mm. Um, so that's sort of why I really just, I loved it. It was just, I probably didn't really learn much, but... I learned how to have fun and I learned how to connect with my younger self again. Yeah, and to be you. Yeah. As you. Totally. As Jordan as a mum. Yes. yes, absolutely. Um, and so how did that lead on to... Yeah, to kind of run the College of Fashion. Yeah. I guess from there... I never really knew what I wanted to do. I thought at the time I wanted to be a TV presenter and I sort of had... I can a, see that. <laughs> had a couple of stints doing yeah, stuff in telly, cool. which was super fun. And we did really silly shows like Minger to Blinger, which I can't even tell you. There used to be a station called Trouble oh. TV, which was a thing. And... Um, I'd kind of had a stint at presenting on there and we did a couple of shows. So I kind of done that and was like, okay, that's fun, but is it real life? I've got an income, I'm a mum. Mm. Um, and I always had an interest in fashion. And so I just researched and thought, oh, okay, London College of Fashion seems to sort of do, you know, job it's jobs on the tin. Mm. And um thought I wanted to be a fashion buyer and then looked at what the course was and was like oh god you need to be really like mathematical and kind of it seemed a bit too that's not me <laughs> I was like, that's not me um but then there was this thing called fashion promotion and I was like oh god what's this you know and it was all about kind of um styling and all about kind of PR and how you as a communicator can get make the fashion trends essentially without actually having to be able to make the clothes or do the mm. buying so I thought oh, okay this sounds good and so I applied and I got in and I think that for me again was an extended kind of childhood youth element because it was just good fun mm. and, and it sounds like you're really like it sounds really inspiring to me listening to mm. it but to your friends as well to think that you just kept you know you just kept saying like I can do this and yeah. I will do this yeah absolutely I think that's back to kind of my family in terms of my mum and even going further back kind of my grandma you know she came to England from Guyana in the West Indies with seven kids and her husband who then died very early on when they came over and she was just a grafter and you know she when she died she died owning her own home kind of putting all her children through education so it's this um, legacy of women absolutely that legacy of really strong women um who have kind of just not been restricted and have not sort of I guess imposed any restrictions on themselves because mm, mm. um, I think also one of the main takeaways I think from that and also for me is you know you will be scared when you try and do new things yeah the fear will be there but do it in spite of the fear of course you'll be scared totally. to do that you know you can't not do it because you're scared totally. you're scared and you do it anyway totally and I think that's sort of how I've lived my life mm. and how I definitely try and encourage my children to live mm. in that 
don't let other people's restrictions restrict how you think about the world. Yes. And, you know, that's very big for me because you, without even realising, people are like, oh, why would you work for free and do work experience? Oh, why would you go and work in London? God, that's a bit scary. And it's like, God, you don't realise how much people project their own fears. Totally. And how many people actually take that on and go, oh, no, well, I can't do that. Mm. Create your own boundaries. And totally. Boundaries. <laughs> They're just created by other people, aren't they? Exactly. And I think... Fear. Yeah, it's yeah. fear. And because I've seen my mum and dad be so fearless in their careers and do, you know, I was going on tour because my dad was like a reggae, little reggae kind of um, so cool. musician. <laughs> so we would go on like these fun UK tours. Like there was a thing called Sunsplash and he'd kind of take us all on there. And I've always sort of just thought, well, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of applied that very first step to my education and kind of just going well I want to do that so why not yeah and then into my career so you got into the London yeah so how long were you there for um I think it was it was three years and that for me was again just me regaining sense of my identity and sense of myself and also getting a friendship group around me because when you have children even as an adult you realize very quickly that you lose people around you because you can't go to the parties you can't do this you can't do that Mm. and certainly when I was a lot younger and when I was at college and even before that secondary school and all those friends, they just drop off because you're just, you can't do the same things as them and therefore like you're not cool anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, my friend when I had Charlie was my mum. That was my best friend. Totally. (laughs) Exactly. And great. I'm so glad it happened to be that way. But, you know, you you try and make that not so (laughs) growing up and then suddenly you're just, you're there. You're the person that... Totally, yeah. totally. And I thought, God, I could probably need some more pals than my mum. It's like, we can't really I talk love you, about... I love you, mum, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> can't really talk about the kind of things I want to talk about. Um, so we've, I found some really cool pals who are still, you know, my best friends Bet you now. did there. Yeah, yeah, kind of 10, 12 years later, we, we were actually in the process of planning a girly getaway. And I just think, that's so lovely. Mm. Um, and... Again, I don't think I really learned very much <laughs> at, at London College of Fashion. Well, I don't know. Look at you now. But, That's the thing. But yeah, but I think what I did learn and the friends that I did get, you know, it it's kind of put me in good stead for the rest of my life totally. in, in terms of, yeah, the sort of stuff that I like to do now. The bigger picture. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about your son, Jackson, mm-hmm. who has a diagnosis of autism. Yeah. Um, can you tell me sort of, so you leave uh, London College of Fashion mm-hmm. and then went in terms of your career, what happens? And then in terms of having Jackson, sure. when? does that sort of happen? So in my last year at studying at London College of Fashion, I um, found out I was pregnant. And I'd already had my first Jada at that point. And I was pregnant with Jackson. And um, we were about to graduate into like a huge recession. It was like when everything was Same here. I came out of uni in 2007. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like you'll be lucky if you get a job, guys. And I kind of found out I was pregnant and thinking, oh my God, is this just the worst time? But I just felt like Jada was about six or so at the time. And I thought, oh, well, it was easy. Well, not that it was easy the Mm. first time, but I managed it. And you were with the same partner. You you were in a supportive relationship. Totally, totally. And we just thought, oh, well, come on, we can do this. We didn't expect to just have one child. So we thought, oh, 
let's just go with it. Yeah. Um, and so I had my son um, on the Christmas break before you kind of go back and have to hand in all your dissertations. So I had him during the Christmas break on the 14th of December and then come sort of the 6th of January, I was back at uni handing in my dissertation, preparing wow. for kind of, you know, you know, exams and all of that stuff and just had to go straight back into it full throttle. And and um, your pregnancy was this, um, well, he wasn't born premature. No, obviously. the pregnancy was fine, you know. Plain it, sailing. It was all plain sailing. It was, there was a complete naivety. I just thought, oh, the only thing I need to worry about is if I go into premature labour. Because mm, you've had done that, that experience before, yeah. Totally, haven't done that. So I'm going to just have that neurotypical, fine, normal experience. Yeah, it's from here on. It's from here yeah. on. It's easy breezy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. And was he as a newborn? You know what? Because obviously, yeah. Looking back now, hmm, it's it's really hard. And I think when you have a child with disabilities, you're often retrospectively trying to look back at the signs and look back and kind of piece that journey together and certainly for a long time after we'd got the diagnosis and he was about 18 months at that point I thought well it's because I was working so much it was because I wasn't around I should have been more around and more present and then I could have picked up on stuff sooner and then nipped it in the bud I was the same as if you can nip autism in the bud, but you kind of instantly go to this thing where it's like, well, obviously it was something that I did. Yeah. Um, and and I there was a lot of self kind of blaming in that process because I then going from sort of being pregnant and then having him, I ended up kind of graduating from uni and then getting a job out of uni pretty much straight away. Oh, really? And this was a, a job that is going to then get you to where you are today, yeah. which is a managing director of one of the leading PR companies yeah. in the country. So yes, yeah. yeah. So it's like two things happening at the same. So totally. So, so as so we're talking like one, two, three months. Obviously, he's a newborn. He's not he's sleeping, and he's a he's a tiny baby. And I go and take a job at this PR firm. It's called Citizen now. At the time, it was called Brando, and. I don't tell them that I have a baby. I don't even tell them that I have a daughter because I was like, I just don't want to be judged. I'm kind of fortunate enough to get a job in a recession. It's already hard enough. I don't want to create any reason for me not to pass my probation. Mm. So I knuckle down and I'm working crazy hours. So I'm doing like nine till 10 uh, and just five days a week not kind of sleeping, stressed, coming home to a baby and, you know, a partner as well who's like, girl, I did not sign up for this single parent relationship <laughs> yeah. where you're, you're just yeah. out earning yeah, a toppers yeah. and <laughs> we're not seeing each other. Yeah. And, you know, that was really tough and that put a massive strain on the relationship. Um, and it, it happens, so, it's just, you can't stop it, can you? It's, it's, just, just, it's just, you can't get off because you're like, well, if I get off now, totally. there's no point in me doing all those hours totally. before. So it's... Totally. And so it was a year long of me kind of just working like a maniac. And that was, that's not sustainable for anyone, let alone someone that's then navigating a child who is starting to display signs okay. of you know yes something not quite right right so what was the first and do you remember it mm. as a bit or was it because because for me it was obviously 
there was one time when my mother said he walks on tiptoes all the time mm. and I said well, what do you mean mm. and she said that's a sign of autism and mm. I said he's not autistic he mm. looks at me in the the eye and he yeah and he answers to his name because obviously I just thought autism they don't speak and they totally. don't look at you totally um, so what was the because it did it because I know I remember it, it offended me a little bit yeah actually yeah I think for me it was sort of it was a slow burn for okay. me there wasn't that definitive one moment but collectively he was kind of the last person and there was other children at the time who was similar age group and he was like the last one to sit up you know the last one okay. to roll over the last it was always sort of there was a delay and you know at the time you kind of think oh well let's not you know take that too seriously and um, they always seem to end up doing it just when you think totally oh, that no. it's not gonna happen yeah I think there was a moment where, and perhaps he was like a year old or so, and he used to always carry this like PlayStation controller and he would just sit down quietly in his buggy, just looking out to space with this controller in his hand. But if he didn't have the controller, it was like meltdown. I thought, oh, that's a little bit weird, but that's just him. And then it was as he was getting a bit older and would go to the parks and he would get sensory overload. And at the time, we didn't know what that was. But it was like, Jackson hates parks. We don't understand. All kids love parks. He's like screaming hysterically, losing his sweet mind. Yeah. And, and sad and sort of wanting to yeah, get up in the pram and not. Yeah, just couldn't cope with the environment, couldn't cope with the noises. And then it was kind of things like this headbutting us and hitting himself. And it so just. So he, he, he would do these behaviours. He would. Yeah. Yeah, he would be headbutting, he'd be hitting himself, he'd be screaming. And and at that point you must have thought... This is like, you know, yeah. this was then not... This became really challenging because it made parenting really challenging. And then there was... we. It was kind of then when he was more mobile and walking, we would go to, you know, friends things and he would be screaming and kind of using his voice to comfort him I guess and again when you're doing your research you understand all these behaviors yeah so he's like stimming with his with his voice to yeah drown out all the noise around him and there was this one moment again when he was walking which made me just think god this is nuts and we went to a friend's house and we were sort of all sitting in the garden and there was a paddling pool and he just ran straight into the paddling pool like not even any sense of awareness that this is because water now we know that's quite yeah. that they would just keep on walk, going, keep on going forward yeah. motion and he just kind of just walked straight into this thing and I'm thinking this isn't this isn't normal and so I went to the doctors and kind of was talking and this process takes so long doesn't mm. it because you know they don't want to ever diagnose a child really early on mm. because some while some of the signs present themselves as autistic it's really difficult to say and once you give them that diagnosis, it's a diagnosis for life. So, And do you remember not sleep? Like, do you remember during that time just, I mean, obviously talking to your partner about it, but it is such a, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying fathers don't go through it because they it's do, different. but as a mother, you're with them. Uh, well, we, I worked, I went back to work when Charlie was four months and worked really hard because yeah. I was a single mum. So again, I was the same. To. I didn't see, I felt I didn't see the signs mm. whereas everyone else did. Yeah. But again, I just remember lying awake at night just being so afraid Mm. and just thinking I can't deal with this yeah I think for me it was a sense of 
I knew something wasn't right. And so I was past the point where I was trying to reconcile with whether or not it's this or that. I just wanted someone to say, you're not crazy Mm. and that you were right. Something's not connecting. And I think my husband, conversely, was trying to go oh well it might not be this yeah and it, my partner it, said I was like that when I was yeah, that's what it, he kept on saying and I was like no but it's not it's that different. yeah so you take him to the GPs and you these are these are the things that I'm noticing and then sort of what happens from from there in terms of the diagnosis and yeah. your journey on from that so kind of following the GP I think it was a really slow process it was a series of lots of back and forth and at one point I remember saying just pleading with them to take me seriously and I was like I had no intention of doing this but I needed to say something for a fact I was like I want to I'm going to put my child in care yeah if someone does not take me seriously because I can't do this that's how far you have to go you have to to go like you it's like shock tactics you you know you have to go in and I was like I'm I'm losing it. I'm done. So mm. the support needs to happen now. Mm. And slowly, slowly that kind of support did kick in. There was like a scheme called like ABC scheme where someone come into your house and sort of observe um, and, and then help give you techniques. I think it didn't really help me at the time. The day I got that diagnosis, I was so relieved actually so did he spend it was like half an hour in a room with two people and then yeah. you sit there and then and he had a couple of those so when he did the first round and I can't even remember now how old he was at the time but they had kind of it was inconclusive and they were like look we... so is he talk is he talking by this point he's he's verbal but obviously it's... he's verbal but the it's very it was quite perfunctory in terms of he's not sort of feelings and emotions aren't but it's that but also that it wasn't any kind of linear conversation so there was this thing there's this thing called echolalia so it was like he was repeating lots of things and he was saying words but not in context to any situation and so it wasn't communication in kind of the typical sense and what you would expect Mm -hmm. like a conversation with a young child to be um it was just sounds for the most part so we we knew that that just wasn't right and um yeah kind of the first sort of bout of tests and things that they do was inconclusive and so we had to come back and by the time we'd come back he'd grown a bit and the gaps were even more um more present and it was at that time where they kind of recognized that he had autism and for me it was just such a relief and had had you already thought it was autism yeah yeah I had because kind of when you know that there's certain things that they're doing and it's the walking on toes Mm. and it's all of those things you kind of put them into google which is sort of like everyone's pocket doctor (laughs) for all information and it it just kept coming up there was yeah and then I read books and, you know, then it was just became more and more sort of apparent that that was probably what we were looking at. And whilst things aren't perfect and, you know, going through that school process, I'm going through the secondary schools now Mm. um, and looking at specialist provisions and, you know, it's tough and there's still a lot to be 
a lot of work to be done in terms of supporting families um, with autism and, and disabilities just generally. But I think that there's such a greater awareness and people do respond and take things a lot more seriously than mm. perhaps even 10 years ago. Oh, completely. And I'm so glad Charlie lives in today. His yeah. book was born when he was born. Yeah. Um. So his, his schooling, because we touched mm. upon before we recorded. So obviously he was going to specialist provision from five onwards um he he went to mainstream for a bit he was at mainstream for a bit so he was in reception and then we lasted a year so he kind of went into the um, special provision from year one and at the reception they had no idea they had no way to support him there was no infrastructure and we tried and the council tried and you know we'd got you know, because they said, Oh, we've got, yeah, they said they've got SEN provision. And we realize now that so much of a lot of the school politics is wrapped up in money and red tape. And, you know, they do take on SEN children, but then they don't want, there's a certain level and a degree Mm. because also they get money for children at Mm. SEN. And they were saying that, you know, we weren't able to go to school full time but then yet they were charging out that they had that sort of TA support for full time. Oh yeah. And so it was all just, it was a bit of an awakening and understanding of just the layers. So that was yeah. a bad experience. Um, Horrible. Because reception horrific. was horrific for me as well. Yeah. And I had, so yeah, they said, oh, we'll try. And then they called and said, well, we can't have him until he has to leave at one. And then it was 12. And then yeah. they were like, Impossible. basically just had him in a room all day yeah. by himself Same. On, with a beanbag. Same. And that was it that's all we had same and I think actually that experience for Jackson has given him a really uncomfortable relationship with education and learning and we've had to spend years and years trying to unravel that and get him to a point where he's even comfortable with that process because he was made to feel for a year that he was doing something wrong and that's trauma like you can't just brush that off you know being isolated from your peers and being made to feel um yeah like he was doing something wrong yeah so and, and then you got him into this you got yeah, him into a, which was a fight again to yeah. even get him into this right school with the right support that he needed and that was a massive fight with the council because the council was saying that there weren't places but we'd also gone directly to the school and they were really lobbying the council going no no because we as can. we know they need to by if you've got an ehcp they need to create a space in a school they yeah. need their their job is to find you a yeah. place in a school yeah. so when you come back and say there's no spaces it's like well what yeah. am I supposed to do I think as well that was linked up to the fact that there were perhaps in their view other schools more local to me but ultimately it's about trying to find the best match for this these kids and even now we're going to get into that battle with secondary school but you think actually when you know Jackson can't read or write um you know he's still just about identifying colors and he's 11 and so it's like let's not scrimp and save here let's mm. go for the giving him the best chance oh, of yeah. he that he can possibly have yeah. of being able to get to a standard where he can at least sign his own name because yeah, at the point we're kind of at is you know we'll be lucky if he can mark his own name totally you because know? these children they can learn they that's can the learn. thing it's not that they it's just they need with the right support and time they can actually achieve anything yeah 
and they it's, can they can they really can so tell me about jackson today what's he like what does he what interest oh, does he have what's yeah. his character like so is he, he loving he is phenomenal like he is just for me like he's given the family such empathy and such kindness he is incredible he's got a wicked sense of humor he loves being like the life and soul of the party like he loves his grime music he's does he really, like music oh my god so he loves music he's obsessed with like kano and all of like the grime scene so what's he, he about it. the wiley and the stormzy oh my god well <laughs> we that with the wiley and the stormzy is so funny <laughs> i mean i'm just on the side of lols because just I seeing am. the back and forth <laughs> is just so funny but he he loves he loves anything with a good beat and um he's just so upbeat and positive and he's got to that stage because we've identified obviously that he had autism and we've changed how our parenting style around him and so when we've changed how we all respond to him it's it's amazing what you can do and that's in a, in a way without probably even realizing it back to that diagnosis that's why I just wanted to know because I wanted to know how to be a better mum for him mm. and by making those changes even in terms of diet you know mm. I'm a big thing on gut health and and how that also which links. is a huge yeah huge. massively affects our children huge yeah. huge and you know how that affects the family as yeah. well so kind of all of those changes and those conscious decisions we've made has impacted on him massively yeah so he's a massive inspiration to you as much Hugely. as yeah so because I because I think even though I've had a lot of sadness and of the last two years so I've been two years since diagnosis mm. and I guess only after two years I've actually become the person that I was probably meant to be before mm. Takes that time. it happened yeah it takes time and I realized that the other day I sounds really bad but I was hugging him really tight and I was like you know I really love you you know I really do mm. because there was that as you're saying when they're hitting you and they're headbutting mm. you and you just think I can't love can't you cope. the way that I want to love yeah. you and you don't love me the way I want you yeah. to love me yeah. Yeah. um but yeah. now we're sort of on a vibe or on a groove and I can see like things are put into place and as you yeah. say it takes time to put these things into place and you don't know what you're doing like you don't know it it's taken me I would say so um swoop as he's rebranded himself oh yeah, now. yeah. so jackson's called swoop jackson's now. called swoop and he is 11 now and it's only been in the last two years that we've got to this place where it feels like silly things like we can go to the cinema and it's not it's not a thing wow i'm looking forward to that oh hun i when i got well admitted into hospital is a bit extreme i went to a and e mm. um because I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm. And what we, what the, they realised was that I was having a, a panic attack. Mm. I was having an anxiety attack. And that was brought on by the anxiety of, obviously, the life and the world. But it was intrinsically linked to Jackson. How interesting that you say that, because I was the same. So I started suffering panic attacks. I've never had them before. And mm. I was put onto these... I think they're beta blockers or yeah. something mm -hmm. and I would just care and I had this weird swallowing thing where I thought I couldn't swallow yeah and it was just closes. yeah and my mum's like well, maybe it's just like hard to swallow maybe it's literally like all connected with that so yeah I guess what from listening to this we're going to help people because there'll be parents out there going oh god I'm having panic. yeah because yeah. you can't really because when you work you can't go in sobbing your heart out going no. I can't cope you have to put on the yeah and it builds up internally but also Things like, you know, going to the cinema and Jackson 
repeating every word in the film. And then it's even less about Jackson at the moment. It's about how the people respond to him. Mm. And then it's like, shh, you know, and <sighs> other people having their two pence worth and yeah. sort of whatever. And we had this moment where we went to see Bugsy Malone because also I've got Jada who wants to go to the theatre and we want to do that as a family. Mm, and not siblings, yes. Jackson. And this was a couple of years ago. And Jackson, obviously, watching Bugsy Malone, it was quite exciting. And they had the splat guns and all of that stuff. And he was like, bam, 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 you know. And my God, theatre-goers are the most unforgiving sort of sector <laughs> of just, like, the world anyway. I mean, you rustle that Maltesers packet too hard and they're about to shoot you in the back of the head. Yeah. I was sitting there under siege to the point where they broke their own rules and they were kind of going, it's so inconsiderate that you would bring a child like that to this. Oh, wow, OK, sure. Verbally. Mm. And I broke down... Jack, my husband had to take Jackson out and I was in hysterical tears. I couldn't get it together. Mm. I could not get it together. I couldn't breathe. So painful and memories. It was, and it was like, you are, you're, you're, you're saying that I'm irresponsible mm. for trying to just in- make my son included in just the normal world. Yeah, and, it, and it's holding a mirror because like a lot of people say to me, I'm really worried to meet Charlie because it's holding a mirror to my own like, I don't know about disability. I've never dealt with this before. And I guess it's, as he's saying, when you take, because I take Charlie out on the bus and, you mm. know, I try and take him out to do things. And because he looks so perfect. Yeah. And people, you know, if you have a, a child with a physical yeah. disability, it's I guess easier. people almost go, okay, so I can kind of There's accept more empathy. that. If they start screaming in the middle of the thing, mm-hmm. I'll, put, you know, pull them. But you bring your autistic child in and they start being really loud it's like oh how annoying yeah and it was that and you know what it was interesting not only just other people you have to navigate family as well family's been a real challenge and so they talk about parenting being a lonely space there's nothing more lonely than parenting with a child with disabilities like you are on your own and if you've got a partner that supports you you're lucky and if you haven't you're even more on your own Mm. because it's not even just about how the world treats you. It's also how your own family, you know. There was times when people wouldn't even want to help babysit. There was times where members of the family didn't even want to read a book about what we were going yes. through just to understand how to be around us. Completely. I mean, it, it's, it broke our family apart. We were a quite strong family and I think we're, we're sort of unified now. But yeah. I, you know, for instance, my mum still gets very emotional and teary about it when we mm. talk about Charlie and we've had that conversation where I'm like please be strong I can't mm. I'm I can't do it if you're mm. and she's just like I just don't know how to because you're my child as well and I'm seeing you go through mm-hmm. this and mm-hmm. so yeah it, it's, it's one of those things it's a big deal it affects it has wide rippling effects through yeah. friends and family yeah massively and to the point where I would often self-edit and almost we'd kind of exclude ourselves from so much because I would get anxiety about going oh my god we've got this kid's birthday party this is going to be really hard Mm. because either you're navigating as they get a bit older children are older and also then can notice the difference it's almost like when they're sort of younger it's almost easier oh totally as he gets older I think it gets a little harder it does get harder and especially with Jackson you know he's a tall a little 11 year old boy he's gorgeous and he is so gorgeous but people 
then kind of try and talk to him and then they're like oh okay this is some weird information coming back or <laughs> yeah. like the way you're dressing this is kind of odd and I've had kids and there's been family things where they're like oh Jackson's so annoying can you just take him away yeah, yeah. oh and it's no like, yeah. And there was this one occasion, and this kind of broke my heart, but we were at a family thing and we were, we'd let Jackson, he was off playing and thought, oh my God, he's off playing with the boys. And we walked into the room and he was sitting there and these kids were throwing um, sort of little balls at his head yeah. and he was just sitting there. And I was, and, oh, I, and I got him and I said, Jackson, they're hurting you. And he said, yeah, I know, but I just wanted to play. Oh, and I stop thought... It wow, this is hard. And I think that it's interesting, kind of parenting as a whole, whether you've got neurotypical children or not, you parent in different ways at different Mm. phases of their lives. Mm. And the first phase, it was like damage control, like don't hurt yourself, don't hurt other people. Now we're getting in this phase of just trying to emotional regulation and trying to manage people around you and how to interact with people on a level where you're safe and not taken advantage of and I'm sure as he grows we'll we'll have other challenges but within all this growth there's a lot of happiness there's a lot of love there's a lot of fun and I'm is he loving is he oh he's so loving and as a family I think we are very loving very hands-on try and tell our children that they are loved and before having Jude we'd often me Jada and Jackson would go upstairs and do sort of like I'll make believe fake yoga and meditation which is just basically like google something on YouTube and sort of have like "Mm," in the background and some candles (laughs) but then we would do that we'd do some stretches we'd do a bit of just like fake moves and then after we'd sit down and we'd tell each other something that we loved about each other and something that was made us happy that day Mm. and that for me because also I was working really manically before having Jude um was just like an hour at the end of the day where I could just give them me yeah um and then this is Jude Jude's here yeah hey Jude hey Jude hey Jude you're cute Um, you're cute Uh, and you know what actually even speaking about Jude and I haven't really verbalized this Mm. I'm now looking at him manically. I was going to ask, going, actually. Are there any signs? Is there anything? And that, in a way, is sort of kind of a little bit... Well, it's, like, it's a bit of stress. It's, it's a, a bit, bit stress. stress. Yeah. Because whilst I wouldn't change Jackson, and obviously I'd want him to be able to live an independent life mm. and, and, and have all of the things that any of us just kind of sight as a given right we yeah, think yeah, it's take just things people take, take for it advantage. granted yeah and so I I hope that he can get to that um but to kind of go through that all again mm. with the foresight of mm. knowing just how hard it is yeah because I've started sort of dating again and and um this guy did ask me he said um are you worried that you're next and yeah. I, I couldn't lie no obviously I said like obviously I do worry about it yeah yeah, of course and, I do. Yeah. And, but I feel like if I did, then I would be the best person to receive that totally. child. And that's how I feel. And, um, you know, earlier we were talking about like fostering and all of that kind mm. of stuff. And I think that for me, having Jackson has given me a lot of empathy and compassion for other people. Mm. 
And I see, I've heard other stories of people with children with disabilities and how awfully they're treated. I mean, next door to where I live mm. is a is a home and it's for people with all different, different, different disabilities. The woman across the road from where I live has got a child who's completely non-verbal and can't even function for himself. Yeah, with, do do anything, with autism. yeah. God, that's coincidence. I know, it? I'm like, gay. Okay, autism really, close. I know, it's really, <laughs> it's really quite random. But, but I, I guess it shows how common it is and it's something that, again, this is what I'm saying, it's lonely. You feel like you're living in a, you're not in the... Yeah, you feel like you're in a complete bubble because yeah. you're not re- you're not reflected in, in in any other part of society. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, so I do I do worry, and even when I was pregnant, to the point where I wanted a girl only because I knew that girls have less of a chance I, of I was the same dis- disabilities, yeah. and it wasn't because like I wanted a girl to put her in pretty dresses. It was like yeah. thinking like, okay, it's I'm less pregnant, of a chance. It's, it's the, the the risk is reduced. Yeah, and. That was heavy for me. So, like, when, like, family and people were like, oh, I think you're having a boy, I was like, mm, thanks. But you don't understand the reasons why I'd be nervous if that yeah. is the case. And obviously, when we found out we were having a boy, there was a bit of me that was like, I panicked. Yeah, I get, I completely get that. And well, this is, you know, I hope that this is why we're doing this, that they mm. do realise that it's just... And, it doesn't make us weak, but what I'm saying is when you have a child with special needs, you have special needs yourself as a yeah, parent. You, you have emotional you needs that are you kind do. of ad- added because of that you do. diagnosis of autism of yeah, your child. Yeah, and it's that real fear as well, because in ways I'm fortunate that I've had my children young enough to know that, you know, I, I'm not sort of in my 50s or 60s thinking, God, Jackson's only 11. Mm-hmm. How is he going to cope? without us but that's real like you know when his school say he probably won't be able to live independently mm. that that makes me feel like well I've got to kind of make myself available forever and if it's not me who yeah I know so, you um, can't ever that die that's what yeah, they're saying that yeah, gets yeah. an autism parent you like you can't and and that's the same I said to my mum because we're having an open chat and I said you know Charlie probably will have to go into some assisted living or if like I can't handle him because he's quite big and strong Mm. already he's going to be quite a big boy Mm. and yeah I think it's just these all these things that you know my mum was like you know your idea of and I was like there's reality it is reality yeah and it's about kind of preparing yourself for for a future that you don't know and and whilst I hope that Jackson you know, can get a job and can get a partner and and do things mm. independently. There's every chance that that also might not happen, mm. and that is just something I have to prepare for. Yeah, and I think people get uncomfortable when you talk like that. But I'd rather I'd rather this space be open totally. to say, okay, let's talk about what you you know. Yeah, and people sort of say, oh no, you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. It's yeah. like he might not be. Yeah, and oh. I think as well, it's like I've made my peace with. They're not being happily ever after, yeah, 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 yeah. and <laughs> and and I think that I also had that real reality check with Jada. You know, she was born with fifty-fifty chance of survival, mm. and so I'm I'm not like this naive kind of person, sort of galloping through life. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. that life can be real, and that just makes me so much more grateful and that makes me really humble as a person yeah. and I, and if 
this is what was meant to be for me yeah. and in terms of my own emotional growth and then of course they're own humans themselves yeah. then so be it well I can tell that your heart is massively open and huge and I think <laughs> your children are lucky to have you because you're a fighter and yeah. the last question I wanted to ask you is when yeah. you tell people your son has a diagnosis of autism yes. what would you want them to say um that's really interesting um I'd want them to ask if he's happy and I'd say yeah that's beautiful Thank you so much, Jordan. Oh, thanks. And a huge inspiration to me. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Autism is a spectrum condition. All autistic people share certain difficulties, but being autistic will affect them in different ways. Some autistic people also have learning disabilities, mental health issues, or other conditions, meaning people need different levels of support. All people on the autism spectrum learn and develop. With the right sort of support, all can be helped to live a more fulfilling life of their own choosing. To learn more about autism, you can visit the National Autistic Society website on autism.org.uk. This podcast was created, written and edit produced by me, Maisie Clater. And the music that you hear in this podcast was written and produced by Kit Milsom, who also records and edits the show. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, maybe even write a little review and rate us.